wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're going to be mine. Jonathan Hood. Welcome in to another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I am Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you download this podcast. Thanks so much for supporting our show, being part of the TWT tribe. As always, all I ask for you to do, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Leave five stars, leave a review, let people know that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Okay, on this installment of TWT, we will get a chance to talk about Hell in a Cell. Yes, Hell in a Cell. And, you know, I, I couldn't tell if this was Hell in a Cell because the WWE's been running so many Hell in a Sh- Cell uh, matches that when you got to Hell in a Cell, it was almost stale, right? I mean, it's there's <laughs> so much to talk about with this company, this WWE, I swear. Like, almost for ratings, whether it's Monday Night Raw or on SmackDown, we saw Rey Mysterio against uh, Roman Reigns. It's almost like they ran Hell in a Cell into the ground. Hell in a Cell is supposed to be a special show, but unfortunately, we saw, I don't know, I felt like we saw three or four Hell in a Cell matches before we even got to Hell in a Cell. Yeah, I just don't understand the logic there, but I will break down for you Hell in a Cell. And this is one of those shows where it was kind of in the middle for me. It was not a great Hell in a Cell show, but there were some things to watch for sure. You know, on our previous episode, and go back and check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as I break down uh, NXT TakeOver in your house, and you also hear the... Long-form thoughts of Triple H on the conference call before in your house. He had some controversial things from from some wrestling fan standpoint, some controversial things to say. I want you to listen to that. Then hear my in-your-house thoughts uh, after that show was over. So let's talk about Hell in a Cell just for a second here. As uh, we we talk about matches like Bianca Belair against Bailey. Bianca Belair, to me, is not great just as of yet. I think that, very similar to Raquel Gonzalez in NXT, uh, the WWE put the championship on Bianca Belair, and the question is there in my mind of, is Bianca Belair SmackDown Women's Champion because she's good, or is the championship making Bianca Belair? You see the strength, you see the long braid, But you see someone that's still trying to work things out. Uh, And this is what happens. You just need to be able to have more time to be able to work 
out the kinks. Bianca Belair has the opportunity to be one of the top women wrestlers in the 2020s. Um, just because she has a championship doesn't mean that she's there yet. Uh, but And here's where I look at it, right? When she was at NXT, I thought that she got to a certain level. And then because of her charisma, because of the braid, because... Uh, she's pretty much Gina from Martin. That's what I, every time I see her, I think she's doing the bit like she's doing Gina from, uh, from the hit TV show Martin because she's got that swag and guys love that and women envy that. So I get the personality part of it. She's got that down. No one's going to take that away from her, but it's about the in-ring ability, right? And I think that she could tell a good story, but listen, when we started with this women's revolution, you knew who the best women were. You knew it was Sasha Banks. You knew it was Charlotte. You know it was Bailey, right? You know it was the best of the best. And so Bianca Belair still needs to step up in class to even get to that level. Sasha Banks is one of the best wrestlers on the women's side, or actually one of the best wrestlers in the world. <laughs> I, won't, I won't even couch it by saying women. I just say that uh, Sasha Banks can really be able to bring uh, a show to a crescendo when you see her you're like wow you know what she's the best that you're going to have on a certain card and Sasha Banks is that good Bianca Belair I think still needs some work now working with Bailey does not hurt right she wins the matchup via pinfall good match not great but what I want to see is more from Bianca Belair someone will hear this podcast and think that Jonathan Hood's shitting on Bianca Belair I'm not what I'm saying is is that she's a champion now and I think she's a champion solely because either she's next or because of her charisma. I want her to be champion because of her in-ring ability. Will she ever have a five-star match? I don't know. I don't know. But I know what I like. I know I like what I see right now, but I look forward to seeing her elevate moving forward. You can hear that however you want to hear it. <laughs> but that's how I look at it. Like Bianca Belair is good at a certain level. I wait. I can't wait to see if there's another... Uh, gear to her game Cesaro against Seth Rollins was the best match on the card and here's why we have seen this match several times, we saw this match at Wrestlemania and I thought that because Cesaro, and you could just tell right, I don't hate to give trade secrets but anytime a baby face has so much offense and the heel is is kind of falling behind the match early, it's almost a, a sign that the heel is going to win. If you're a longtime wrestling fan, you kind of know that, right? But I like the story of Cesaro, uh, how he stomped on Rollins' arm and he attempted to reach the ropes, but Rollins was able to roll him up in a small package for the victory. Now, you may not have liked the match as far as the finish, but there was a finish, right? I don't like... Uh, how Michael Cole called a cheap victory. Baby faces win with roll-ups all in small packages all the time. That's just a dumb call, once again, by Michael Cole. I know he was produced to say that. They thought of that before they even got to uh, uh, putting this match in the ring, but it was not a cheap victory. It's like Seth Rollins got the best of Cesaro. But I liked that there was a lot of high-impact uh, shots there. The big back body drop, the uh, the body slam, um, how Cesaro was was struggling in the middle of that matchup, the Cesaro swing, those things like that. You know, Cesaro and Seth Rollins, they wrestle each other ring of honor. They know each other very well. Um, and whatever you consider this Seth Rollins persona, I don't. That's a lot of laughing, a lot of 
loud outfits. I don't know what this is supposed to be, but I just know the worker Seth Rollins and the worker Cesaro. Very good. I thought it was the best match at Hell in a Cell. Um, and so now you get to what Vincent wants, right? Vince wants to have calamity, nonsense, bullshit. So here we go at Alexa Bliss against Shayna Baszler. Can I tell you something? There's a sec- I- I'm on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. I see there's a certain section of fans that like this. And I'm not one of those fans. I don't understand how, like, Bliss starts staring at Nia Jax at ringside, forcing Jax to mirror her movement and slap Reginald with her magic. Don't know why Reginald's out there. I think he's a, he's a goof. Bliss then hits Sister Abigail in a twisted Bliss for the victory. So ultimately, you're just burying Shayna Baszler. Uh, and I know that you know Bruce Pritchard would probably recoil at that, but when's the last time Shayna Baszler had a dominant victory? Not just a pinfall, but a dominant victory. You see, here's what happened. Shayna Baszler was a badass in NXT. And she, you know, she, she had to be able to learn the WWE style. But the reason why I like Shayna Baszler is because she was completely different. She was not a sports entertainer. She's an MMA fighter that's learning how to wrestle. And so you see her in there. And when she was in NXT, she's badass. She goes to WWE and she's screaming like a banshee. Because she's afraid of a doll. That's an MMA star. Afraid of a doll. Who's that entertaining in 2021? Kids? I don't even think kids are entertained by that. Vince is entertained by that. Vince McMahon. I really like the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match. It's not like I've never seen that before in the WWE or in Ring of Honor. Uh, I think that's one of the best matches also on this card. Because you know those guys are going to work hard. You know, two French Canadians, they're very proud. Put a nice match together. And Sami Zayn, for the first time in, like, forever, wins a, a with, via pinfall in a singles match against his buddy Kevin Owens. Really good physical wrestling match. A good storyline playing out throughout uh, the matchup where Owens is bleeding, where Zayn is bleeding, but not over the top, but just you could just tell that there was a fight, right? Uh, there's a story there because you see Sami Zayn continuing to talk about how it's a conspiracy. He gets on SmackDown and talks about a conspiracy. You know what that is? There's a story. Like, that guy is crazy, right? So when's this documentary coming out? See, it just, you, what I see is, is a story. And that's what I'm all about for the WWE. You want to entertain me? Uh, you know, I can see a match anytime. I can watch a match anytime on YouTube. I can go back to 1985. I can go back to 1995 and go to 2005. I can always find a match. I can always find a classic, right? Can you tell me a story to get me into that match? Can you tell me a story? That's what wrestling is. It's not just flip and flop and fly and flip and flop and fly and dive through the ropes and put, put your opponent back in position so you can dive on him again. You're running 100 miles an hour. That's not what wrestling is to me. It's part of it because now the action's faster. I get that. I can adjust to that. But where is the story? See, the problem is... I'm not going to go on a tangent. But I will... (laughs) I go an hour on, on what I'm about to say. But I'll just make it very brief. You know, fans, here's what it comes down to. I can, you know, There's a lot of great matches that you can find. But show me the company that's going to give me a story that we can be able to watch. You know, the one of the best stories in wrestling is the Roman Reigns-Uso story. Now, that's a story. 
right? It's not a, a two-week build where the Osos are going after Roman Reigns and they're going to beat up Roman Reigns or Roman Reigns finds a tag team partner. It's a story. It's, it's just an ongoing story every Friday night that people are, are locked into. Sami Zayn is, feels like he is, um, there's a conspiracy theory against him. It's great, right? It's a story that's going to come to a crescendo at some point, but at least you know that there's a story there. And so I like that. So I like the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match very much. I like that very much. I thought it was very physical um, and very un-WWE-like un- in that regard, too. So I, I like that. Uh, a lot of great wrestling matches there. Uh, so let's go to Rhea Ripley against Charlotte Flair. Did you ever think that Charlotte Flair was going to win the match one or two? Did you think that Charlotte Flair would win via disqualification? Here's a question for you. Who's the baby face and who's the heel? When the baby face wins, when the baby face is disqualified and is the champion, it feels heelish to me. So at the end where Rhea Ripley, you know, she hits uh, Charlotte and attacks her with a chair after the bell. And then a riptide. I just don't know exactly what the position is of Rhea Ripley. When you go into a match and you say, oh, Charlotte Flair definitely is the heel and Rhea Ripley is the baby face. Was there a double turn there that I didn't expect? I don't know. Ripley pulls off the top of the commentary table and hit Flair with it, resulting in a disqualification. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I mean, that's one thing. And then Ripley continued to attack after the bell. I'm watching this, and I'm saying, okay, so why are you attacking Charlotte like that? Aren't you just trying to win and retain your championship? No, it it would seem like that she took the cheap way out and won by disqualification. That's one way to keep your championship if you are a heel. But I don't think Rhea Ripley's a heel, or is she a heel? See what I talk about with story? Was there a double turn there? Was there a... Steve Austin, Bret Hart situation that I did not expect? I don't know. How about this match? Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre. This is for the WWE Championship, the real championship of the WWE. Hell in a Cell. There should have been a decision that was clean, but no, there's MVP to interfere. Entered the matchup. 
because Drew believed victory was in his hands. However, Lashley had other plans. When McIntyre demanded the other official enter, so did MVP. Claymore kick delivered. One, two, MVP pays dividends. And it was all legal, as was this. So that's the finish of that matchup, the WWE Championship, Bobby Lashley. Boy, he's still, it's amazing. I watched him at WWE, goes to TNA, comes back to WWE, and he still looks the same. Black don't crack. The guy still looks great, and he's a WWE champion. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I did not enjoy the finish of this match, though. I guess there had to be some chicanery that uh, Bobby Lashley just couldn't win clean in Hell in a Cell. He just couldn't beat him. So he had MVP's interference, and of course, it's Hell in a Cell, and everything is no disqualification, do what you want, pull referees out, have a ref bump, all this stuff. But it just seemed like there's a lot of, of moving parts there that was not necessary. You want to make Bobby Lashley look strong. You didn't want Drew to have another title shot as long as Bobby Lashley is the champion. Whatever the speculation, you know, that's fine. But Bobby Lashley retains the championship. I'm still mad that the Hurt Business and that whole faction is broken up. For just no reason at all. For no reason. You know, they had four guys in a stable. And they just, for whatever reason, broke it up. For, and to me, it's just inexplicable. But, you know, Drew McIntyre, let me just talk about him for a second. I'm a Drew McIntyre fan because of the story. story and I'm big on story. So when it comes to Drew McIntyre, as you well know, a guy that was in the company, the chosen one, has to go around the world to prove himself, comes back, and he becomes a WWE champion. But during the pandemic era, ah, during pan- the pandemic where there is no fans, but he wins the championship anyway over Brock Lesnar. And so now the WWE will be going back on the road uh, in July and Bobby Lashley will be the champion and McIntyre will not. But I would have loved to see if McIntyre could draw. Maybe I don't want to see that. (laughs) Actually, that actually doesn't even matter anymore because the WWE are the Harlem Globetrotters. They're the uh, they're the ice capades. It doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, but it's good to see Lashley the championship. And I would but I would have loved to see. What would it have been like for McIntyre to be the guy, the draw, you know, to be the heavyweight champion? Which brings me to this. You know, I've heard and, and read several places, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I'll just comment on it, where there's reports that, you know, Vince McMahon says that the WWE is stale, that the company is not doing well because it's stale. Do you realize, and you know this, but I, better, I just want to say this out loud to you on this podcast. That is, you know, I think that we're past the days of the Cena's and the Rocks and the Stone Cold Steve Austins. You know, wrestling has always had at least 
one draw. Maybe a singles draw, tag team draw. What I mean by that is just a star. Someone where you say, I got to go to the arena tonight to be able to see this person wrestle. See this tag team wrestle. See this woman wrestle. Whatever it is, right? The, yeah, wrestling is best when you have someone that you can hate or someone that you can love. But either way, you're going to pay a ticket to see. You see the entire promotion. I mean, that's you. there's no one-offs. You got to see the entire promotion. But the point is that you want to be able to see someone. And you see what's happening with the WWE, right? You may say that's Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns is on the SmackDown brand. And when he, when the WWE goes back to touring, I don't know if they're going to be uh, you know, cross-pollinating their shows like they have done in the past where it's Raw and SmackDown wrestlers on the same card. I have no idea if they're going to do that. Um, they have never been able to really settle in on Raw brand, SmackDown brand for years it, you know sometimes you just see that crossover and it doesn't make sense to me if you are a raw person you should only be on raw you should not cross over but we've seen this before right anytime that they say we're gonna have a draft and this is going team blue team red it's always bullshit it always is because vince changes his mind which way the wind blows today it's going to be separate brands tomorrow we're just going to cross over and have see my point is that roman reigns is the closest thing that they have to the next star the next guy uh, it's one thing for Miz to have his own TV show and on pick popping up on these commercials point is though is that the 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 way the rock austin undertaker wrestlers like that in the 90s the way that they were able to really resonate with a wrestling audience where it's like Austin's in town. I gotta get tickets. Undertaker's in town. Rock's in town. He's gonna. You 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 pay the money to see the stars in the house shows, or the pay per views. I mean, for Roman Reigns, will that whisper work in their live arena? No, it'll work behind the scenes and and tape vignettes. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how the WWE universe, the fan base, will look at this company. Uh, because again. You're paying to see the Globetrotters now. It's not just seeing Kevin Owens and the WWE. It is the WWE. And there are times, many times, as you well know if you've ever bought tickets, where they don't give you the card. They just tell you the WWE's in town. You go come see it no matter how they lay the card out. Well, I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you have if you're a WWE fan, but I, I, I can't do that. I'm dropping stuff. I'm using my hands and dropping stuff. Um, but I can't do that. You know, I, I need to know who's on the top of the card. Show me the card, and I'll decide if I want to go or not. But for some fans, it's just like, hey, WWE's in town. Let's go see them. And so, you know, I, I don't look at the ratings as much as I used to. I will retweet them at TWT from time to time. But here's where we are in wrestling. And this will be the first time I think I'm saying this. When you see Dave Meltzer or Brian Alvarez or all the other wrestling pundits put out numbers and ratings, it's not even about the TV rating anymore. And here's why. The WWE or AEW or any other company, no matter what they put on television, it just it will not have the same numbers as the 90s. It won't reach the NFL. It won't reach the NBA numbers. Hell, in some ways, it doesn't even reach the College World Series, depending on which game is on. It's not going to reach the uh, NHL playoffs for some of these companies. It's about revenue. It's about how many spots, how many commercials they can get, right? 
That's the thing. It's about commercial inventory, how many sponsors I can get. And, of course, these cable stations like Turner for AEW, like uh, NBC Universal for the WWE. I mean, they see the numbers and they're like, okay, unless they're minuscule, they don't care about the numbers. You know, I hear like Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer rip apart AEW like, I don't know, this Rampage show on Friday, it's, I don't think it's going to be any good. I mean, it's on Friday night. It's a tough night. Well, hell, no, no shit, it's a tough night. But do you think that Tony Khan cares about what the numbers are on a late Friday night? He doesn't care about that. He cares about how, how this particular company, how Turner looks at AEW and says, you know what, we have a opening on Friday nights. We need you to fill it because we know you got great content. You know, whether you get a million people or 433,000 people, that does not matter. I know it matters to the wrestling fan that says, oh, look at this, the Friday night. Look, SmackDown had more than AEW. Well, what do you think is going to happen? You know, the, the look at, um, you know, the the late Friday night AEW because they get bumped by basketball. Look at the numbers. Those fans are leaving. They had a million fans. And then what happened? Well, it's a young company. And it's not going to be the same number as it was in the 90s. People have to understand that whether it's the radio business I'm in, the television business, no one's making, getting like 10, 15 million people listening to a radio station or watching a television show. You know what it's about? What it's about is inventory. It's about um, digital downloads, YouTube. It's about TikTok. All these things. Are you reaching your clientele? If the answer is yes on your YouTube pages or you're being the elite or Roman Reigns clips on YouTube, they're monetizing off of that. So I, I, wanna, I, I think I should make that clear. It's the first time I really, really broke that down and talked about it. But I've been reading a lot of this as a wrestling fan just like you if you're on social media. And if he was like, oh, this AEW, no, they're going to be on Wednesday nights. I don't know. Tuesday nights for NXT. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they can't get 800,000 people. It doesn't matter. Do they have commercial inventory? Are they? Do they have commercials? Do they have spots that they have to play? You know, no matter what the the rating is, it's about the revenue that they are making from the shows and from the television and from the digital uh, spots that they have. That's what matters. Okay, I'm done with that. I just wanted to bring that up because that's the first time I think I really talked about that, outside from Hell in the Cell. So. Uh, my overall thoughts on Hell in the Cell just it was okay. It wasn't great. It was okay. As I mentioned to you before, I thought Cesaro and Seth Rollins went on a hell of a show. I was a big fan of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And um, I thought that there were too many Hell in the Cell type matches um, before we even got to Hell in the Cell. And it's just like they try to promote it by putting it on, on SmackDown and you know, I think there's a way to oversell it. I mean, Hell in the Cell still matters to a lot of people because it means usually the blow-off or maybe that means that it's going to be a really physical match. Well, this one was. There's no doubt it was a physical matchup. They brought the ring steps in. Uh, there was a lot of physicality in this match, so I, I liked it that much. But then the interference kind of took it away from me. It took the wind out of my sails, so it just became like a super raw match to me. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was pretty good, but not as good as I think as some of the other undercards that really, really worked hard. Don't forget to follow me on Wrestling TWT on Instagram and Twitter. 
And I'd love to get your feedback on my thoughts about ratings and whether or not that affects you as a wrestling fan and your overall thoughts on Hell in a Cell. So, as always, I appreciate your support. Thanks for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Tell people that Jonathan Hood talks wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday.